Hello there. Welcome back to the Oblivious Maximus podcast after bloody ages of not doing it. Four months, in fact. How are you? I'm good. I moved house. It's very exciting. Um, this is episode 112 of the Oblivious Maximus podcast. And this week, my guest is Marcus from Burn in Hell and Amends. Marcus and I talked about a record that I love by a band that I love. Uh, the record is Isolation by Harm's Way. Um, Harm's Way have obviously in multiple forms been guests on this podcast before, so it was fun to talk about one of their records with someone who loves their record a lot and a record that I love a lot too and songs that I've seen a million times live and had a great experience with myself. We also talk about Burn in Hell's awesome new record, Disavow of the Creator God, which comes out on the 6th of August on Reason and Rage Records. Um, so check that out. You know, just Google it and you will be able to find all the information you need. Um, I've been putting videos up of me talking about riffs a bit on YouTube, so check those out if you want. There'll be a video version of parts of this on YouTube as well. Uh, Mental Cavity, my band, have a new record out called Mass Rebel Infest through Creator Destructor Records. Check that out if you want to check that out too. And hopefully I start doing this more regularly again now that I'm set up to do it again. Um, Otherwise, please enjoy episode 112 of the Oblivious Maximus podcast with Marcus talking about Isolation by Harm's Way. Fucking brutal. Alright, Marcus, thank you for doing the podcast with me. Yeah, no worries, Matt. Um, no worries at all. Alright, so uh, you've picked Isolation by Harm's Way. And I will yes. preface talking about this in that I will have a very biased opinion of this whole record because I'm friends with the band, but yeah, I love sure. the record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fucking insane. Yeah. So why, why this record? Why did you choose it? Uh, this was like one of those records that when like I got into hardcore pretty late, like I started kind of going to shows when I was maybe like, I don't know, 18, 19. And, and in the South Coast where I started going to shows, all the bands were either trying to rip off like Euro Melodic Hardcore or Harm's Way and Zabalba. Mm-hmm. And so when this record came out, like the only thing anyone gave a shit about was this record. And this is like, this was kind of my first introduction to uh, kind of like heavy hardcore. Like I'd listened, like I'd heard a ton of like scene bands and uh, like heaps of people at my school were into like the more metal, like Trivium and Caliban and all those kind of bands sure. that I don't give a shit about. And and so I'd never heard anything that was just this like simple and heavy, but still blew everything else out of the water. Yes, and yeah. I think that was like that. That was a big thing for me. What were you listening to prior to hearing music like this? Uh, so, like, I like I got into like I got into punk. I went to hardcore through punk um, when I was like thirteen. I got a mixed CD from my brother's friend that had like some fat bands on it mm-hmm. and shit like that. And then I kind of started exploring more like weird more like post hardcore like at the driving and all that kind of shit and then um and one of my friends at school gave me uh gave me Jane Doe by Converge and that really like was kind of a game changer for me I um I was playing like I was studying at the conservatorium playing drums there and shit and and so I was like a bit of a music nerd and so I always thought hard or like I always thought anything that was kind of like a lot of my friends listened to like Under Oath and bands like that. And I was like, there's nothing here for me. And then, and then I heard Converge. I was like, this is fucked. Like, 
in every musical aspect and and how heavy it was. And yeah. then from there, I just like dove down the rabbit hole into like just the heaviest shit that I could find. Yeah. So yeah. And this is where you ended yeah. up. Yeah, and then like I kind of just landed into like the dumbest mosh music ever. <laughs> That's good. Well, yeah, I love it. I mean, I think for me, I um, I well, I heard the record when it came out, um, but mm. it coincided very well with they came here pretty, like pretty soon after it coming out. Yeah, that was with Phantoms, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, I've probably spoken about it here on, about this on here before, but essentially how I met them was because James, who sings in harm's way, lost his passport at the airport. And I used to live, I used to live really close to the airport and my friend Jay hat was driving them and called me and was like, Hey, you can, we, can I bring this band to your house so we can use your Wi-Fi so that they can like apply for this guy to get another passport. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't really know who the band, like I, I, I think I knew that Harms were touring. I don't think I really knew that that yeah. was what was happening. Had and, you listened to the record or anything or at I, that point? I think I just maybe heard it. Like I'd heard, probably yeah. heard scrambled or something. Like I just heard a song yeah, on the yeah. internet or something. And anyway, he, he brought them around to my house and I mean, one James was suitably annoyed that he'd lost his passport in the airport coming uh, just, you know, having flown for like 24 hours. And the other guys were like, you know, like anyone who's just traveled from one side of the earth to the other, like super tired and fucked. And yeah, yeah. They yeah. came to my house and just hung out. And then, I don't know, I think we watched TV for a couple hours while James yeah, put in cool. his passport application and then... <laughs> I took him to go eat a kangaroo burger and then yeah, cool. Then I took him to the casino. So like, yeah, <laughs> and then now, I've been, large, yeah, now I've been sick. friends with him for 10 years. So it was like, yeah, that fucking rule. It was such a funny way to, I guess, get into it. But that being said, the, um, they then went on to play like two shows here in Melbourne. I, th- yeah. I don't know. I think maybe outright played one of them. I can't remember. Um, and I was still in the band at the time. But yeah. either either way, Phantoms were playing with them and they're my friends. Yeah. So, like, I went to the show and yeah. I remember that seeing them on that tour being, like, I think for me, like, a real turning point in um, what then bands in Australia started doing after that mm. first Times Way tour because I think, like, like maybe you said, like, around that time, at least here... I think there was still a lot of, um, still a lot of like the hangover of melodic hardcore bands, maybe, and bands were still kind of coming out of, I don't know, d- different sort of styles and hadn't really found it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like everyone was doing like that, like cruel hands, like yeah. trapped under ice shit at that point. And so, like, there were, well, like where we were, especially South Coast, there was nothing that wasn't. Like the only thing that people gave a shit about was just the like most ignorant mosh ever. So yeah. it was just yeah, yeah. It was cool seeing a band of this caliber be able to do it and like I know for me because I went to the Sydney show. Um, I was I don't know if it was I was looking it up the other day and I don't know if it got moved or if they added an extra show, but it was at Tempe at this um at this shithole called Balfour, who I'm pretty sure the dude who used to run it was like wicked racist and shit, but um, it's not a great, not a great venue. (laughs) (laughs) It was, um, it had like, yeah, it had like the big fucking concrete pillars in the middle of the like pit and everything. And the stage was like, I don't know, 10 centimeters off the ground and it just reeked of beer. And for some reason they did all ages shows there. It was weird, but classic, um, classic Sydney setup, really. Oh, big Sydney vibes. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, I remember, I remember because our friends, um, so we we were friends with this band Cold Youth who has, so Tom who plays guitar in Burning Hell and Mitch who plays bass in Burning Hell, they both played guitar in this band called Cold Youth who were kind of like a Euro melodic hardcore ripoff. Yeah. And they were like, they were 
pretty bad, but we were friends with them. So we'd always like go and hang out. And because they were like doing good things for Wollongong, I guess Ollie just hooked them up with the Sydney Harm's Way show. And yeah. it was just so weird because they were just coming on talking about feelings and shit. And, <laughs> and like James comes out being the most fucking intimidating person I've ever seen in my life. And I was just like, this is crazy. And there was like, yeah, 15 people there and they were just disgusting. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think that that was a, another big turning point for me, I think, is at the time, all the other stuff that I guess had been through, I don't know, sort of around that time or within that time frame for me, at least with I Exist, was like we were going way more down playing like metal shows and doing like yeah. more of the stoner stuff. So I had probably even mm. started falling away a little bit from going to hardcore shows and stuff. I think I think really the stuff mm. that was keeping me tied in was playing in Outright. And mm. so I went and saw these guys play and obviously like I, I loved it from seeing them. And then, you know, I only really hung out with them for a couple of days, but I was just like, oh, these guys are like exactly the same as me. They like the same music as yeah, me. Like yeah. They, yeah. they have seen a good way of weaving death metal and heavy stuff into this music. And yeah. yeah so, sure. so it like kind of lit a little spark at that point with those guys. But I mean, for me that um, hearing this record at that time too, I think was like a, it was like kind of a turning point. Obviously it was a turning point for this band and that beyond as yeah. they go on beyond this, it gets bigger and bigger. But um, this record itself was like, I think one of the first things I heard of this era or this time frame at least that has now become like somewhat of like a classic for this you know yeah. sort of music like and yeah, i mean 100%. there was like a you know a bunch of them were posting about it recently but like this record came out 10 years ago now and like 10 years ago yeah not and now it's like you know a couple of songs from this record are like real staples of this sort of sound of music mm. now mm. i think it was like I think for me as well, it really was because this was how I, like this record was how I discovered Close Casket as well. And sure. so like from that, like I started listening to like Zababa and Incendiary and, and like the Harness 7 Inch as well. Mm -hmm. Like I just remember, yeah, getting, yeah, getting the record being like, fuck, this is crazy. And then going and checking out and buying, yeah, buying the Harness 7 Inch and being like, this is heavy as shit and buying pretty much everything on Close Casket. And, yeah, and it just like it definitely shifted a lot of because at the time as well, like I guess like every person in Australia, I was like into like terror and all those kind of like yeah hardcore bands. Mm -hmm. But then this really pushed me in a direction that I've stuck with now for ten years. So I guess it it found a home with me. But, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and I think I think if anything, like. I know from, you know, going to the shows and things like that with, with bands like this and then later on, like, touring with them a lot and stuff, like, mm. it's really interesting the way that, um, you know, to see how that sort of change comes for the bands that, like, play with this band, for example, as well. Like, I think, like like you mentioned, the first time they came here, like, the support bands sound nothing like them and they, they're, like, yeah. they're yeah. this very... Um, you know, very comparatively, I suppose, like a very professional outfit in how they perform and how they, yeah, you know, they could probably, you know, like a lot of overseas bands become, like they're just so much more well-practiced because they oh, they can play oh, all the time. Shit. Yeah, Australia's so, so sloppy. And, and like, yeah, I mean, it really is. And like, I'm happy to admit yeah. that like <laughs> I'm part of that problem. But And, and then I think oh, yeah. when you, I don't know, when you start, realizing that yourself is when you start putting in the effort to like change that. And so for me, it was like first being exposed to, I mean, prior to this, I'd done some tours prior to this where I got the exposure to it. But then over the years, like a couple of years after this, I think two years after this tour is when I exist toured with Harm's Way in Europe. And when mm. we went over there and did that with them, at that period by then, and they may disagree with me, but by that period, like every band that opened that tour sounded like Harm's Way. Like it was <laughs> like, or, or 
or a equivalent, you know, like they were trying to sound yeah, like nails yeah. or they were trying to sound like Zababa or whatever, you know, like they were tr- in that, yeah, in yeah. that area. And so it was quite funny, obviously for us, because by the time yeah, we got over there, of- we were at like our stoner rock peak. <laughs> so like yeah, the biggest, yeah, biggest big riffs, fucking three guitarists and shit. Yeah, yeah. We, we'd gone in like the complete opposite direction, which was actually worked out yeah. quite well for us on those shows. Oh, sick, yeah. But um, it, it, it was just, that was a thing that I was thinking about the other day when you talked about doing this record, is that like mm. the first time I saw them, like no band sounded like them at all. And then the next time I played with them, it was like every band on the yeah, tour everyone. was, yeah. you know, probably if they weren't playing with Harm's Way, they would have been covering Harm's Way. You know, yeah, of course, like, of course. That's like the that's way it like, shifted, and, and even now, like as their popularity is growing, like they're like in this scene, they're like one of the bigger kind of like mid tier bands, yeah. and there's so many bands like in Australia now who just jack everything they do. Like my band does it. Like <laughs> yeah, we yeah. just fucking rip off their wrist. Like that's what you do, and and it's crazy how like prevalent like the hard metallic hardcore mosh shit is now and it's sick like i'm all for it because that's what i love so yeah yeah it's very cool yeah so one of my and this is where it becomes like an interesting thing for me being again that i'm talking about people that i'm friends Mm. with now but like one of the things that really dragged me into liking this record a lot and i don't know maybe we may come from a similar path with it but I started out playing drums as well. And the mm. the drumming in Harm's Way is like one of my favorite things about the band mm. because Chris, who plays drums, is like one of the more interesting drummers, I feel, of music like this because he doesn't play like, you know, to me, he doesn't play what the expected fill is or Definitely. the expected beat. He's, and he's so like again music dork shit but like so like in the pocket with it and he sits behind the beat sometimes and i think yeah i think that's what yeah that's what like really did it for me with this record is like you hear it and it's like it sounds so slick but it's so raw like like as as everyone says that about every record but like it's like the drums don't sound quantized like it just sounds like it's a dude playing drums yeah and he's just like sitting on it and making it heavy when it needs to be heavy, and he's in the pocket when it needs to be in the pocket, like you were saying. And I, yeah, I just think they're just like they make, and it's just it's I guess like the skill they have is that they just make like a big riff into a verse, into a chorus, mm. into a big riff. They just make it flow and make it somehow captivating, even though it is essentially just the same element for a whole three minutes yeah and i think i think that's um i think that's something that maybe is like a very interesting shift is that like if you don't maybe if you don't know the influence that they take or you don't um hear it for what it is i suppose like musically you could maybe you could maybe think everything in is quite simple but then when you see it in action and you see you listen to like what the you know the structure ends up with it's it's really interesting and i mean i think like for me like like every song on this record has like a memorable sick riff or a drum part that i can remember or like a you know like a pit riff that's like really significant but i think one of the the song I mean, I just made, I made notes of all the songs because I like them all. But like the, yeah. um, the song timing has like a fast part, like a you know pretty straightforward fast part. Yeah, yeah. that goes into like a a crowbar styled like slide bend riff. Then it goes into a breakdown, and then it goes to a different like crowbar sounding riff. And yeah. Again, I'm, I don't know if that's what the intention was, but like for me at the time when I first heard it as well, like that's how it linked in so well for me was Sick. because I was at this point like a little bit, not a, over this or, or whatever, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. that was what interested me was like those types of riffs being brought in, not just 
your yep. generic metal riff or whatever going into a breakdown. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, like, I would say I'm the same, like, with, like, yeah, like, those big, those big riffs where you got, like, both guitars and the bass playing the exact same fucking thing. Yeah. And it's just a wall of riff coming at you. And that's, I would say, that's one of the reasons I always love I Exist as well, because it would be the same thing. You just got, like, yeah. this huge fucking riff hitting you in the face, and and it just makes it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a way of being heavy without you know, down tuning or doing any of that shit. And I think it was, yeah, it, I would 100% agree that like every, every song on this record has, I would say every song that they've ever written has that shit. Like you go and listen to all the other ones. Like I went back and listened to um, Blinded the other day and it fucking goes so hard and it's got so many sick riffs on it. And yeah, like I just think they're just, yeah, a pretty flawless band. Yeah. Oh, I, and like, I think, I think for me as well, like I, I, I had the distinct benefit of seeing them like multiple times over the course of like a 10 year period. And I think another thing that's been really cool for me is like as someone who likes the band, but also, you know, getting to know them, like I've seen the change and the growth in what that, uh, I guess that foundation was to, to where they are now. But yeah, yeah. still to me, like, I mean, I you know, the year before last was in America with them and saw some of these songs played, you know, for like, I don't know, by this point, like the 50th time that I've seen some of these songs get played. And still some of them were like, I mean, they've changed, they play it a little bit differently live now and to add a bit of, you know, as bands do when you keep playing songs for 10 years, you got to make it it fun for yourself. But at the same time, like the response for a song like, you know, like the in the, this band playing scrambled any every oh, yeah. time I've seen it. I don't think I've seen it. I've seen it play. I have played a show with them where actually zero people were at, and yeah, the like venue that intro like oh yeah, the venue owner was like getting revved up, and like the fourteen <laughs> year old Swedish kid who booked the show was getting revved up. You know, yeah. And then yeah. I've, you know, to the other side of that, I've seen them play a massive festival or, you know, a couple mm. of massive festivals where they played it. And it was just as like sick to watch, you know, and, and yeah, yeah, it's one thing, like, obviously it's so basic and simple in its structure and in its um, yeah. creation, but like every single time I've seen that song played, someone's losing their mind, whether it be one person or 5,000 of them. Like it's still so good. Like that's so sick. Yeah. I, yeah. I just like that when it comes in, when it kicks in, it's like, Oh, it's so fucking sick. It's yeah. It's so, it is. It gets, it gets, it gets you revved up so much. So, so as um, as you as you already alluded to, like this is you know mm. pretty heavily influenced your band now, and mm. how do you, do you when when are uh, like doing stuff with Burn and Hell? Do you go back to things like this, or do you reflect on a catalog? What how do you how does that incorporate? Um, it's usually just like whatever we're listening to. Like it's hard to. It, like it's one of those things like the first thing we ever like the first demo thing we ever did um was predominantly written by our drummer Jai. um like he wrote all the guitars for it and then like tom added a bunch of stuff in and um and it was one of those things where like when Jai and i were talking about making the band i was like yeah i just wanted to sound like harm's way and foundation and so he just like directly ripped off harm's way and foundation and it was like this is sick and and then with the new record that we've got coming out, it was definitely more because we wrote it as a collective. We definitely just brought all the shit that we were listening to in. And yep. and I think because Harm's Way are one of those bands that all of us are just continuously listening to, it's just always stayed in our influence, like in our influence circle. And and I would say like that's the same of bands like Converge and cult leader and stuff like that where it's just like we just are always listening to this like we'll always come back to like we'll always come back to russ we'll always come back to 
um, to uh, like the new record as well, yeah. and like, and and we'll always just listen to that shit just because it sounds cool, and I want to yeah, have yeah. fun listening to music. So yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's it too. And like, I think that's, <clears throat> I remember, well, certainly there was a point in my life where I didn't like pretend uh, to not like something, but like there was certainly a point in my, like in playing in bands where you kind of didn't want it to seem like you were, well, you, you were ripping something off. But I mean, I've oh, got, yeah. I've gotten to the point now where it's like everything that I like and everything that I listen to, I project that so so much oh, that yeah. like you would be it would be so silly of me to even pretend that i don't it's not the exact influence like i mean and yeah. it, for me though like as long as as long as what you're doing is is well intended then there's no problem with you know with having that as long as you're not just actually playing the exact riff of a band <laughs> like, yeah and I think as well, like even if you are playing the exact riff, if you're if you own that, if you're yeah, yeah, if you know that you're being a dickhead, it's like yeah, that's fair top. Like I think, like on our first demo thing EP that we did, we've got like I'm pretty sure they're direct rip rip offs of Foundation on there, and and like I don't really give a shit because there's only there's only so many ways you can chug. There's only so many yeah. breakdown patterns you can do with triplets. So mm. it's like, well, shit, what are we going to do? We might as well just rip off the bands that we like and <laughs> just be like, yeah, that's what we did. So, Well, I yeah. mean, I think like if anything that proves that is like, I don't know how I exist has three records of blues riffs because <laughs> some other stoner band has written all of them before. So it's, it's, That's like, I don't know, like I was always like, uh, like you and you and I, I would say everyone in I exist. I was always like wicked intimidated by you all because I thought you were the fucking coolest people in the world. Because well, I'm I glad you're another band. I'm glad that I intimidated someone in my life. Yeah, <laughs> I exist in one of those bands. Like I remember seeing you. Uh, I think I'm gonna say the I think the first time. No, it would have been maybe the second or third time I saw. I exist was at um, was at Phantom's last show, and I remember just being like, "This is the fucking coolest band I've ever seen in the world." <laughs> and like, and like, I like, I don't know, I pre ordered, I pre ordered all your records. Like, I fucking love your band. Thanks. And so when, um, and so I don't know. I feel I definitely feel like you guys do it a lot more unique than a lot of other stoner bands. But I would also say I'm a fan listening to music so i don't know your exact references and we don't know exactly what you were listening to but yeah well i mean some some people would tell me that we've just ripped them off so i'm glad that some people don't see that so that's good yeah <laughs> um yeah, yeah like i think i don't know i think that that's something that yeah i think as you sort of grow older though it's something or at least for me like i've just cared about less and less like i mean i've been pretty open with you know, like even mental cavity, it was like, someone was like, what does this sound like? I was like, well, this riff basically got stolen from Morbid Angels. So that's what that sounds like. But we don't yeah. have a death metal drummer. We have the drummer from I Exist. So yeah. put those two together and that's, that's where we're at. On it, yeah. Like, um, yeah, sick. Anyway, back to the record that we're talking about. Enough of me mm. talking about mm. myself. That's great of me. Oh, no, I love it. <laughs> Um, I think, I think, uh, another big thing for me with this album was, um, how it would go on, I think in, uh, like, like I mentioned before in Australia to like change, I think, or help be a bit of a momentum shift into bands moving into, I don't want to say like necessarily exploring more like heavy stuff. Cause bands were always doing heavy things, but start looking at, um, I think crossing music back over again, I feel like for, mm. for quite a while, it was like, you're a metal band or you're a hardcore band yep. or you're a punk band. Yeah. Like it started, which is bizarre because when I first started 
doing this stuff, everything was blended together. And then it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It got like really starkly split back out again, I feel like. And then around the time that this, that they came out here with this record, it was like, I feel like a really good turning point into where bands mm. started, you know, if you sounded like Chromags, it was all right for you to play with a band that had, you know, big breakdowns and it was okay for, yeah. you know, you sort of youth crewy type band to play with that again as well. It was, it was, I don't know why there was like a five or six year gap where everything split back out again, but this seemed to be like, at least from my reference point, like a turning point in bringing it back together a bit. Yeah, I think, like, again, like, where, I, I guess because, like, I grew up in Wollongong, like, it's it's very limited to what you have, like, yeah. what we had. Like, it was, and so, like, when, but, like, when I started going to shows, there was no, like, elitist bullshit at all. It was always, like, like, uh, there'd be bands, like, Antag playing with, like, melodic hardcore bands yeah. and coma lies and you're like yeah this is cool and and then because like the local scene in Wollongong always had like there was fuck like five bands there all you would be doing is putting on your friends bands and some bands from the central coast and they would always be bad and and no one actually really liked any of the music but everyone knew all the words to every song everyone would go fucking ballistic and and it was just the sickest shit and like you'd sell out every show just because there's so many friends playing and and obviously that's just a young person's game like that's what happens when you're 20 it doesn't happen now but yeah like yeah i don't it, know it was always sick in Wollongong because there was no yeah there was no attitude towards it it was always just everyone does whatever they want and everyone fucking came to shows it was sick yeah, well, I mean, that was certainly the same experience that I had in Canberra. Like, yeah, know, well, I guess, I guess when when I was younger, for sure. But then also, like, when our band started doing bigger things, like when mm. you know when Slowburn would started opening for like big touring bands and stuff, and then obviously I exist would go on to do the same thing. Like mm. that, there was definitely a period in between. I don't know, like two thousand and seven to I guess maybe around this time that this record came out where like you could pretty much guarantee that if you put on a show at one of these three venues, it would sell out as long as you had one of these three local bands play, like it would be fine. And I mean, like there was a good patch there where it was like either us or four dead or hard luck or whatever. Like it was like just a whatever tour like Graz or whoever would book it would just be one of our three bands would play and then (laughs) we'd all go like, I mean, sometimes I wouldn't even know who the band was. I mean, like quite, quite regularly, I wouldn't know who the headline band was, but I'd just go because one of the other guys was playing, you know? Yeah. Um, And that like, that experience is something that I think is so, I mean, it's different in Melbourne. It's probably different in Sydney as well. But like, mm. it's so specific to those smaller towns where like nothing mm. else is there. So there's no, no two options on the same night. <laughs> like- yeah. But I think there's also like there's so many choices now as well because like every fucking man and his dog's got a band and every international band's coming out every six months. And so people are like people don't people have options now. Like back yeah. when. Like, obviously, it's only fucking 10 years ago, so it's not that long ago, but, like, we didn't have options. Like, when an international band came, like, I remember I Exist came with Twitching Tongues, mm. and at that point, and you played in Coromel, I think. And Yeah. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, it was fucking like no one there. It was yeah. heaps sick. But um, I remember going to that show because I really liked I Exist. I didn't really get Twitching Tongues. I like Twitching Tongues now, but I didn't get it at the time, mm-hmm. and... And I remember being like, yeah, I don't give a shit. I exist playing 10 minutes from my house. I'm going to go fucking see how I exist in Coromel. It's going to be sick. And like, that's just what you do. Like, yeah, you got, got no other options. So, yeah. Well, and I think, I think that's something that I was kind of, I mean, the evidence of it hasn't really come to fruition really in that mm. every time people try to do things, lockdowns happen because COVID keeps oh, spreading. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, yeah. 
I've played a couple of shows that, you know, obviously we're in a position at the moment at least where like international bands aren't coming because they can't. Mm. And so, I mean, pre everyone getting locked up again, my, I was really looking forward to seeing what that would do because building the scene back up and shit like yeah, that. It, yeah. It, it, it like, it forces you into, it forces you into your own stuff. And I think, what at least what I've noticed over the last year or like year and a half, I guess, is that I feel like the stuff that is coming out of Australia music wise again is is starting to go back to a little bit of around this kind of like pre um, mm. pre like in big surge of international bands coming over here. Because I think the other thing yeah. for me around the time this record came out, I think this was probably as well like there'd been a little while since something really big, I guess, shift-wise had been to Australia for me. Like, I think maybe around this time, like, Trapped Under Ice had been here once or twice mm. maybe, but it wasn't, like, at the the biggest thing they'd done. It was, like, maybe one of the first things. And yep. then similarly, like, not other, no, no other, like, real big hardcore bands had been in a while. Like, you know, maybe Terra had been, but they they come every couple of years and it's always the same. Like, Like, um, but yeah, like this felt to me like kind of how it feels now in that, like there was this big massive push for the last however many years of bands coming here and all sort of doing big tours and this, Mm -hmm. that and the other and having one local band or two Australian bands do the whole tour. And then those two bands go off and they do something cool, whatever, which is all good. But at the same mm. time, like it really can put a dampen on the stuff that's happening in your town because and the local shit, yeah, for sure. All that bands want to do is they don't want to play a show with you; they just want to wait until the next tour comes so they can get on a support. You know, like yeah. Which for me is like as much as I understand that because I've been in bands that have had to do that as well, yeah. and it's a really it's a smart way to quickly build yourself up at the same time half of the reason why i think bands continue to be sloppy is because they don't play shows because they wait they (laughs) hang around waiting for support slots yeah but then as well they like i just oh there you go all i was going to say is like the other thing it does too is it means that they then when the american or whoever bands don't come then there's nothing for them to do because they don't have they've not built up you know, people who think their band's cool. They haven't built up like relationships with promoters or venues or whatever. Cause they're just, they're not sort of contributing really, you know, they're just being a part of it when it's yeah. there for them. And I think that's what, like, that's one of the things that kind of pisses me off a little bit is like a lot of bands putting out like one song and trying to get a tour off it. And yeah. And, and like, like I definitely get the mentality of it, but, coming from a place where like you like in all my previous bands we've done everything ourselves like we um like we wanted to go to america so we just bought tickets and went to america and we wanted to go to europe and we like hit up people until we got a shitty diy tour and got a tour in europe and and i think like for me it was always like sleeping in vans getting like never getting paid and just like doing it because I fucking loved doing it. Yeah. And then seeing this generation of people coming through who are like, oh, we'll only play your show if we can get a guarantee that's like fucking unrealistic on a $10 ticket. And yeah. it's like, I don't know. It's it's just a, I definitely get it. I definitely get that people have got to survive. People have got to, you know, people have aspirations for their band. But I don't know, for me, like coming from a local scene, all I give a shit about is playing shows with my friends and, and the DIY scene and and when people are trying to monetize it, I don't know, it doesn't really, I don't really fuck with it. But Yeah. I mean, and no. I think what I was getting at before as well is that like, I think what at least I was hoping came out of a time of like, you know, where people can't go and do tours really and they can't go and mm. do supports and there's no one coming. What, I hope that does for people is drive them to push themselves, you know? And like, Mm. Mm. certainly that's like the approach that the people that I play with 
are taking it. Like the thing for me is almost like a challenge now of like, what can we do in this time? Yeah, like we just got to do something. Yeah. 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 And like, I think, I, I mean, I spoke pretty, I've spoken pretty openly like on this about how like, you know, when I had that, when we had that big lockdown here in Melbourne last year, like mm. I had like no desire to play guitar at all. Like I, I just couldn't, oh, yeah. I couldn't find the drive to do it. And the, so that's why I started doing the podcast again. And then, cause it like made me do something like it made me talk to people about riffs, you know, and yeah. then sort of coincidentally with that, mental cavity wrote a record you know yeah because they were interstate and i was here and i was like oh great i can i mean i sing in the band so i can sing at home that's easy (laughs) and like yeah yeah it kept me going but then after doing that that really then pushed me to like oh now i'm enthusiastic about it again i want to try and do it and yeah for sure like to be honest the, the funny thing for this the newer the newest mental cavity thing is like this has had like the best response of any of our records and it's like it's fucking it's a crazy fucking record hey thank like, you. like i've again i've been a fan of all of your records but like <laughs> that's why i got you like, it's like it's just i like i don't know how you get your voice so fast like it's just so heavy and i'm just it's, yeah i don't know i just i'm so impressed by it and i fucking love your band so thank you yeah so well, no, I, I get my voice so fucked from getting drunk by myself in my house. That's how I. That's how all the that's vocal tracking for that record went. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Just do that. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, but I, that's been like, and obviously, kind of what prompted me to hit you up to do this is I made that I made this little video last week, and I talked about yeah, the yeah. Burn and Hell song, and like, I yeah. think because. For me, like one of the coolest things that I've seen come out of the last 12 months is like is in Australia people being like records still coming out, people still doing stuff and like yeah, they're trying to book shows and I feel like I'm, you know, God bless anyone who's trying to book a show right yeah, now yeah. because <laughs> yeah. I'm, tr- I'm trying to and it's, you know, fucking up every other time. So fucking nightmare, yeah. yeah. But like it's really good awesome that bands are still doing stuff and bands still pushing forward yeah. so like seeing you guys doing stuff and and as well like obviously i got a soft spot too for the fact that you're doing it with yells because that's great as well yeah and yeah, like yeah. i think for but for me like it's such a positive way to push forward is that like you know maybe yeah. we won't, maybe we won't play a show for a year but fuck i mean i gotta listen yeah. to something when i'm sitting at home so yeah no i appreciate that thank you i think like we we were in a position where we started, like my other band had, we finished recording a record just before, oh no, just at the start of the first lockdown. So we started in May 2019 mm-hmm. and that was fun as shit because it was like, it meant we didn't have to cancel any shows. We were just like, we we're just going. And then straight off the back of that, I just got really antsy because I couldn't do any I couldn't play shows and I couldn't do anything with this new record so I was like fuck Burning Hells needs to like knuckle down and write this new record and yeah. and it worked out really well for us like to just push and make it happen because yeah I don't know I think it's I definitely think it's the coolest like we've only done two things but it's definitely the coolest one we've done and it's heavy as fuck and I like it and yeah I um one of the the bit in that in that breakdown that you were talking about on that other episode in Bleach, there's a bit. Um, I was listening to the podcast that you did with Bo, where I think you were talking Bo from Harmsway, where you were talking about yeah. all the Metallica records. Yeah, and and he was talking about how there's that bit in the Sandman when it comes back in um, at the end of the, the riff, and it goes like Bo, and yeah. and I remember because I like like big big. Uh, big like up for contention i i fucking hate metallica i think they suck and like (laughs) and like that's i think i listened to hardwired to self-destruct hardwired to self-destruct and i thought that was their best record and um (laughs) and and i remember like when you guys were talking about that and he was just talking about how he was like really excited because he thought you know he was saying his name and shit and i went and listened to it and i was like fuck that's like i usually don't like like pit noises and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But I listened to that. I was like, that sounds hard as fuck. I want to put that on our record. <laughs> and so I put it on our record and 
no one questioned it and i was like cool like that's great well i'm I'm glad in in some small way this has influenced your music oh you you influenced yeah you influenced one of our big breakdowns so i appreciate (laughs) it that's great i wish i knew that a week ago when i was when i was drunk talking about it yeah (laughs) that's fine i know it now um i found like i don't know what what your thing what your vibe is i found this review like when i was like just like looking around about this record, I found this review when it came out in 2011. Okay. And, and it just like, it, it mentions James as the name Judge Hammer. It yeah. says Judge Hammer's voice remains. Is that like, was that a thing that he was known by? I mean, I'm not going to speak to that. I know some silly <laughs> stories about it, but um, okay. maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get him to do this and he can he can reveal it in more detail because i just like when i was ready i was like what the fuck is that like it's a name it's a fucking it's a cool name i guess <laughs> <laughs> like well he's like got going out to, uh, he's got the judge hammers tattooed on him so yeah, that's yeah, yeah yeah that's where it starts but like yeah, I mean every second, call, every second. Every second, call yourself Judge Hammer. Yeah, every second kind of a hardcore man's got the Judge Hammers. Yeah, exactly. Like, so. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's just such a like to be like, especially because he's such a fucking unit as well. To be like, to yeah, I'm assuming a press release went out and his name was Judge Hammer in the press release, and I just love, I uh, fucking love that idea. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if that's true, but I mean, I'm sure it's something they should yeah. probably look into for future press releases. <laughs> if not. Yeah. Um, this uh, so with uh, the Burn and Hell record, when's mm. what's the plan for that? When's it coming out and stuff? Uh, it comes out on I think the. Sixth of August. Okay. Let me check my let me check my calendar real quick. Um, yeah, sixth of August. Good. Um, it's out through Reason and Rage Records, which is yeah, Brett and Yell's label. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's just I don't know seven tracks of fucking I don't know ignorant fucking shit. I guess like <laughs> yeah, good. Just heaps of heap heaps of anti-fascist shit heaps of anti-establishment shit um there's a song called dead cop on it i think that's a cool song so <laughs> you know like just you know just trying to try to play trying to play to the ignorance sound you know so you gotta do it i mean yeah. all that i've seen over the last couple of days is like i'm really passionate about writing lyrics about like anti-lockdown protests and things like that like uh, oh yeah <laughs> That what watching that on the weekend was really fueling my like oh boy this is this is a full mental yeah, cavity record big, I got a full record here yeah, now <laughs> big dead shit energy yeah. Was, yeah that's exactly what it was yeah. big dead shit energy yeah yeah um, like yeah I, I I get people's you know civil liberties being fucking you know exploited all that shit but fuck I don't know hey, like man if you got the choice to not die from a disease from an illness or to die from it i'd say just don't you'd think so <laughs> you'd think so but yeah big dead shit energy oh well yeah um so i mean obviously as as previously mentioned at the moment it's pretty hard mm. to try and book shows and things like that but is there like intention for to do that as much as you can with burn and hell once once the record's out yeah so we had we had a release show uh, for the 22nd of August, but mm-hmm. we can't see that happening because yeah. Sydney's the fucking worst place in the world and our numbers keep rising drastically. So um, I think we're looking at postponing that till maybe like October. Yeah. Um, but like for that as well, like we're just doing a DIY shit. We're doing it as a backyard house show on a Sunday afternoon. Sick. Like it'll just be like all ages, people can do whatever the fuck they want. Like we just want people to feel safe and have a fun time and um just trying to get as many mates bands on as we can. Um so I guess like just I don't know, keep your eyes peeled for that'll get announced at some point. Mm. Um but then I think we're meant to be hopefully doing the East Coast 
um, with another band in December. So we're hopefully going to be getting to Brisbane and Melbourne in that run, which will be our first times in those places, which we see. Yeah, awesome. Well, I mean, yeah. at this point, fingers crossed that you can get to do it. I mean, mm. I think... Yeah. Like, it's... I, I, I admire the uh, the effort from people booking shows at the moment. I think, I mean, I'm going to keep doing it too, but like, yeah. Oh yeah. I think, you know, if it gets canceled, it just gets canceled at this point. Yeah. And I think that's like, like all we can do. And all I want to do is I just want like, I know what I want to do. I'm just going to book it. If we have that one week where for some reason we're not locked down, fucking sick. Like, yeah. let's just do the show. If it's like, if it doesn't go ahead, then whatever, that's just what happens. But, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that everything's at least more on track for October. But again, Sydney's a fucking shithole, so who knows? Well, you know, hopefully we don't have any more fucking real dickhead fests happen over the, over the next couple of weeks to blow it out even further. <laughs> oh, mate! Like, I I just feel so bad as well because it's like Melbourne and Adelaide. And like everywhere fucking got it on more. And then Sydney didn't shut our shit down soon enough and now everywhere's fucked and it's like like, yeah, I don't know. I just feel bad that like we're at the hand of another fucking terrible lockdown, but I don't know. What do you do, hey? You well we can't we can't be in charge of all these uh people being fuckheads. So it's not yeah, it's not I'm, our fault. I'm just a fucking I'm a pleb. I can't do anything about it. Like, <laughs> that's like all I do is write songs where I'm like, "Fuck Scott Morrison." So as if he's going to listen to me anyway. <laughs> well, you know, it's a good good subject matter. He's ripe for the taking. So keep going after him. I I think so. Like he's the leader of the country. He should be. Like yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And he's a dumb cunt. So yeah. Oh yeah. Big big uh, dead shit energy. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well. Um, I reckon that's a pretty good place to leave it, given the um, mm. leader of our horribly locked down nation a bit of a jab. Um, oh, yeah, fuck that guy. But uh, so to recap, the yeah. Burn and Hell record is coming out soon. Six, 6th of August. 6th of August. Um, digitally, and we have limited vinyl via Reason and Rage. Okay. Go check um, that out. Yeah. Um, and just stay tuned for shows, potentially. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I'd like to play a show too, so hopefully we can do it Fuck. together at some point. <laughs> That'd be fucking amazing. I would love that. Like, like I would fan out really hard, and I'm sorry <laughs> if, I would, if I'm embarrassing in person about it. That's fine. I'm not like, embarrassed. I'm, buy all your shirts and shit like that and I'm like, oh, can you sign my record? Oh, mate, I'll sign anything. Don't don't you worry about it. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> all right, mate. Thank you for doing that. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me, man.